be 85 or 86. I know I said it was 85 last time, and I was wrong. So I'm pretty sure well, it's 85. Um, let's take a look. Let's take a look. I really should mark it down. Um, but today we're doing analysis slash review. Um, 85 uh, is today. 85 is today. All right. Well, <laughs> um, we're going to be going over the AFC, um review of the AFC, the, the scant amount of, of new for the last weekend or so. Um, but this is something. This is something I really found out that's really cool. So if you check the description of the podcast, or I'm not sure if you use Spotify or whatever, but if you look up Colton and Joshua, make sure you spell Colt the I. Um, then open it up. I know I when I saw it, it was on Apple Podcasts. A link, and you can copy and paste a link, like Google Chrome, and it'll take you to uh, our, our anchor website, of course. But then a, a pop up can leave us a voicemail, something I knew about, but I didn't really know how it worked. So I tried to leave one, um, but it kept saying my Wi-Fi fit. So I don't know why that was, but I really think it'd be cool right now. I mean, not right now. Whenever you want to take your own sweet old time, leave us a voice message, and I mean, we might put it in. Or I'm not really sure how it would work, but we could look into that if you like actually. <laughs> I think it'd be really cool. Um, that's yep. a cool feature that um, is there. Although there is a sponsorship from Anchor, we we could we can make fifteen buckaroos if we promote them. So we're not we're not giving them a spot, but it is something cool that they. That, that's <laughs> I, I I didn't think that was cool, but I've never seen that anywhere else. Um, I don't know. I I do think it's cool though. I was gonna say something else, but I don't wanna I don't wanna give too much promotion to uh. If you wanna give us money. Ooh. Then uh, you can do that, and then I'll talk lots of good stuff of your podcast. Um, yes. With that being said, how was the weekend? Um, it was good. Uh, it was good. So we were last here on Friday recording Saturday episode. It is now Monday recording for the Tuesday episode. Um, so yeah, it was a chill weekend. Um, not too too much to report. Um. A lot of still a lot of snow up here. Um, my road is like it's like the road by my house is fine, and like most of the roads are pretty good. But then you turn onto my driveway, and it's just like a thick sheet of ice. And I really don't know why, but it's a pain in the butt to park when my car is sliding sideways. And like all you know, it's a pain. But you know, the snow is part of life when you live up in the northeastern United States, as you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just been chilling out, playing some basketball, playing some video games, watching some basketball. You know, you know, you know, you know how the story goes here. So it's all about average stuff here. Nothing too too interesting. Ready to uh, watch the NBA All Stars get announced tomorrow, where hopefully my main man Zach Levine can make his first appearance. But that's a that's a story for next episode. You'll hear the results if you haven't already. Yeah, for sure. You either um, hear me be really happy, or you hear me hear me uh, be boycotting the NBA. Now I can imagine that's a, that's the bonus is going to make it. Now I want to see if if uh, Miles Turner makes it because I I feel like I feel like he should, I feel like he's like defensive player of the year. I think defensive player of the year should get. And I definitely think. And who do you I think, think is, he's going to make it? Maybe Turner. Um, I'm not. He's up there. Um, Turner, Gobert, or like Anthony Davis, maybe, but. I don't think Turner's going to make the all- – I don't think there's much of a chance Turner makes the All-Star game. I think Brogdon can make the All-Star game potentially. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's likely, but there's a possibility that Brogdon makes the All-Star game. I don't think there's even really a possibility of Turner making it. That's cool. That's cool. I, you already know my NBA knowledge is, is minimal to non-existent. So I always got to get out. We were before, just beforehand, he was um, telling me who, and, who to add in the drop on my fantasy basketball team. So. Probably why I'm five and two in the first place league. <laughs> yeah, my weekend was just about the same. Um, not much crazy stuff was going on. I did something. What did I do? 
Um, what did you do? I can't remember now. I did something. I went to with my aunt. I think I'm, I think we might have went to like it wasn't anything like crazy, but no, we went to we went to a restaurant on Saturday. I went to a small little diner down the road, and that's the most exciting thing that happened. <laughs> what a time to be alive! Yeah, very very much exciting. I broke my new, I broke my record uh, trophy count in Clash Royale that I've been playing Ooh. for a while. I, I'm on and off that game. Clash Royale is fun. I can play Clash Royale. I hate Clash of Clans. Oh my goodness. I like Clash of Clash of Clans in like fifth grade, but ever since fifth grade, I have not been like Clash of Clans. Like it just seems so boring. And I've never been able to. None of those games interest me because it's like after the first like time, it's like if I'm sitting down trying to play this video game and I just want to upgrade something, why do I have to wait three hours before it upgrades? Like, what's the point? And then you get really high stuff. Like, my buddy is like, re- like has a really crazy base. Yeah. And he's at the point where, like, to upgrade something, it takes like a week. It's yeah. like, why would you even? What's the appeal of playing this game if I have to wait for you know hours and hours and days on end just to like get better? Like, I don't, I don't understand the appeal. And there's not an end goal. Like, that stuff. When I, I can't, I can't get with that. Like, if it, if there was games that it was like just like Clash of Clans. And I don't mind games where it's like a bit like you're like building a village or like whatever it is, like the, in the style of Clash of Clans. But I, why do I have to wait a week to like upgrade my town hall? Like, what's the point of that? If there was a game that was like that and, you know, you're just trying to build a cool place and, you know, but you can just upgrade it on the spot, then hit me up. Um, yeah. I would enjoy that a little bit more. I concur. I don't I never liked the like, the the premise of attacking is like you know it's cool but I wish I like the player on player action and takes I feel like it always like takes a little bit it's not more strategy it's just a different kind of strategy like with Clash of and Clash Royale um, yeah I never I was never any good at attacking or like base design in Clash of so yeah I've I'm, I'm trying to get into Clash of Clans multiple times and it never worked but I love I like playing two v twos on Clash Royale that's a really cool feature they added you can just link up with a buddy. If you're in the same clan and just roll two v twos, and that's fun to do. Two v twos. Must admit, I used to be in a clan with all my friends, but the thing is, me and my friends, well, well, it's always at the beginning of the school year. We'll always start a new clan, and we'll um, we'll be super active in December, and then we all just like stop playing until like the next school. And um, for, just for some reason, we like we didn't start it at the be- like start a new clan this uh, beginning of the school year, and like none of us got active until just a few days ago. I like got on and was playing. I joined a new clan. I really like the clan I'm in. Um, there's like there's like 20 people in the clan, but only like 15 are active. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of donations and stuff. I've been grinding up. Uh, there's a lot of competition. I was number one. Of, I was number one um, trophy wise in the clan, like just earlier today. But then I lost like three straight battles, and so I'm number two again. I like Clash Royale. Um, I could I could talk about it a while, just because I played it for all those mobile games. They come and go because they're not as exciting as others for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is facts. That is facts. But I guess after our big long rant about mobile games and such, um, we can get into the news. And what there's, there's not a lot of big news coming out, but there's a decent bit of news we have here, whether it be speculation or just little things, um, a decent bit of stuff here. So we'll start off with a, a retirement that happened actually earlier today, I believe. Um, four-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro First Team guard, Mike Ayupati, has announced his retirement. Um, drafted by the 49ers, spent a long time with the Cardinals, 
and then most most recently spent the past couple of seasons with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, been a pretty a pretty solid offensive lineman his whole career. Obviously a four time Pro Bowler in twenty twelve. First team All Pro guy. Mike Iapati's just been a solid player his whole career. Um, and we we congratulate him on his retirement. But also, what interests me um, just about this is kind of a, a another thing. Um, just as, you know, last week we saw some reports that Russell Wilson was kind of unhappy with the protection he was getting in Seattle. Um, one of his top offensive linemen retires. So it's now, you, you know, he does not, you know, you take a bad offensive line and remove one of its better players. Russell Wilson is not, and I'm, I'm not somebody that thinks Russell Wilson is going to get traded or like request a trade. I'm just, I'm not one of those people, but, um, you know, it's not a good look for the team when you're, um, you know, your quarterback comes out and has to say, like, hey, the protection here kind of sucks. And then um, this happens. But we do congratulate Mike Ayapati on a good NFL career and we wish him the best of luck in whatever his future endeavors may be. Yeah, of course. Got to give him the whole congratulations. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was, he was always an offensive lineman that I, I knew existed, but, you know, he, he was just a guy. And that, I think that was. The premise of his career, that's how I feel like the storyline. He was just a solid player for a long time, and that's something you got to respect. Yes, yes. Um, next is another interesting piece of news here. Uh, Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills um, has reportedly decided to test free agency. Um, that is per John Warrow of the Associated Press. Um, and Matt Milano, uh, if you don't know, is one of the Bills' better linebackers. Um one of the guys that tends to, they don't really have any pure edge rushers, um, but he's one of the linebackers that tends to rush the edge a little bit more along with uh, Jerry Hughes. And he, yeah, he's, you know, going to test free agency mainly. Um, it's looking like, because he, this is a weak free agent class for linebackers, um, like inside linebackers. Like there's some, like obviously Shaq Barrett, like an outside linebacker and edge rusher, but like, for inside linebackers, this is a pretty weak one. He may be the best one in the class. Um, and obviously, um, I'm sure he would like to stay with Buffalo, but Buffalo is a team that's going to be strapped for cash after you know having to make all of their re-signings and such. Um, and if Matt Milano stays, he's probably going to get the short end of the stick, per se. And I guess he doesn't want that. He wants to be paid fairly and compensated as the best linebacker in the class, I guess. Um, and, I mean, he probably will be, but just not in Buffalo, it's looking like. So interesting stuff there. And Buffalo is going to be in the market for probably another inside linebacker. And whether that be through the draft or, or whatever, um, interesting, interesting, interesting. Or, you know, J.J. Nope. But They're um, getting Yannick Ngaku. <laughs> Yep. He might be going to the Raiders. Nope, he's not. <laughs> uh, I really hope some of our predictions turn out to be. If it's, I really hope. I really hope, like at least, mm, let's see. I hope, like at least, four, like out of our predictions turn out to be true. I've got a couple that I'm really confident. I'm really confident in Andy Dalton to, to to the Broncos. I'm confident in Richard Sherman to the Colts. Um, I'm confident in a lot of the ones of like players that are going to stay, but like that's you know. That doesn't I mean, really count. Like some of them are obvious. Like already, like Kenny Galladay and Chris Galladay are probably gonna have to stand like like on the franchise tag, and I've already talked about that a ton. So like that, yeah, that doesn't really. Like if I'm talking about like predictions I got right, that doesn't really count. If I predicted them to stay, and they're like, oh, no, when they stayed, that doesn't really count. Although I did predict Chris Galladay to go to the Jets. I'm not really sure. That was at the time. Um, new storylines come out all the time, but that is, that is no. I was wrong. no excuse. 
No excuse. Um, <laughs> I guess next in terms of, I guess we'll, we, we'll use that as a segue um, to some news on Kenny Galladay's uh, potential free agency here. Um, the Lions um, are, per Ian Rappaport, of course, um, the Lions are expected to use the franchise tag on Kenny Galladay if they can't reach a long-term agreement. Um, so that's interesting news there. Don't expect Kenny Galladay to go anywhere. Obviously led the league in touchdown receptions last season, um, was injured for a large portion of this season, and the stats were, were down a little bit. Um, so it looks like they're going to attempt to get a long-term deal done with Galladay and I guess pair Galladay and Goff up for for the foreseeable future. Um, but they're going to look looking like attempt a long-term agreement, and if that can't get done, um, see what you have in him with the franchise tag, give, give him one more year, see how he bounces back from that from the injuries that he had last season. And, uh, yeah, so don't expect Kenny Galladay to go anywhere. Um, looks like a prediction that we both got right, most likely that he will stay. But, um, obviously, stranger things have happened. But, you know. For sure. As long as it's not like Le'Veon Bell where he decides to sit out. I always hate when people, players, decide to, like, sit out franchise tag like that. Like, I get it, but um, it is kind of annoying. I it's it annoying as a fan, yeah, but, like, for in terms of like with fair play or like if you're fighting for your livelihood, like you know, yeah, sometimes I, I, I understand where they're coming from, but I still don't like it. But like a lot of times, it doesn't like it didn't really work out that well for Melvin, <clears throat> Melvin Gordon or Le'Veon Bell, really. So. Yeah, yeah I, like, I, I don't love it. Yeah, I, I don't like it as a fan, but I'm not one of those you know people that are like, you get paid millions of dollars to play football, just shut up and play football and don't whine about it. Like I'm not one of those people. But yeah, definitely, you know. I'm not that worried about it. It just, just kind of, it's kind of like, yeah. oh, too bad. Yeah, I don't like it as a fan, but like I understand it. You gotta, res- I, I, I can, res- I, I respect, I understand it. But the next piece of news here is also related to free agency. As the Eagles, um, we reported last week that the Eagles were releasing Deshaun Jackson. Reporting this week that they are expected to release Alshon Jeffrey as well. Um, so I don't that basic for me. They, there were reports coming out to say like they're you know they're strongly considering um, drafting a QB with their with their sixth pick overall. But to me, this screams wide receiver. Um, whether that be Devontae Smith or um, Jamar Chase, most likely one of those two. If I'm the Eagles, I go Jamar Chase. Um, I I feel I'm torn with Miami for like. I guess this is like a bit of a preview to the mock draft, but I'm really torn like with Miami because it's like I think if you're Miami, you draft Devonte Smith or Panay Sewell. Um, like yeah. either one helps. But and then like that, like if they draft uh, Devonte Smith, then I think Cincinnati's definitely getting Sewell. In which case, the Eagles take Jamar Chase. But you know, if he, they draft, if but if he drafts Panay Sewell, then that's where things get interesting, and the Eagles have a choice. And who, who is Cincinnati going to draft then? And you know. You know, I think I think the all the mock drafts right now are showing <clears throat> Parsons going way too low. And uh, yeah, this is a, this is a a little bit of a preview to mine as well. I definitely right now I have I have uh, Micah Parsons like way higher than just right now. I think I'm gonna have Kyle Pitts higher than most people. Yeah, yeah, I think he's probably gonna he, Kyle Pitts is definitely going top ten in my opinion. I don't know. He's so volatile. Like I saw a mock draft where he went like fourth overall, and then I saw another mock draft where he went like 29th. Yeah, if Michael Pitts is on the board and the Steelers do not pay, he's not going to get that. I'm guaranteed. I would bet my life savings he does not last that long. But if he does, and the Steelers pass on him, I'm 
Pat pass on who? Kyle Pitts. Oh, I thought you said Michael Pittman. Oh, I'm confused. Okay. Yeah. The, the draft is a very – this is a very interesting draft. Looking at this draft at the beginning, this draft's kind of like not that good. But I, the more I look at it, it's just good everywhere. It's just a very well-rounded draft, I must admit. <laughs> Yeah, this should be a pretty good year. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence at the top, but it was just kind of funny. Uh, on the Steelers Instagram, they were doing like a like a Q&A or some kind of thing, and it was like on their story, and you could slide up to like watch a video, and it was like something like draft preview quarterbacks, and I had a picture of Trevor Lawrence on it, and that's just comical. Like, why? Why like talking about Trevor Lawrence as the Steelers with the 24th pick? Like there's any chance on this planet that you get Trevor Lawrence. So you have to trade like all the draft capital they have, and like to trade yeah, it's like TJ Watt right now. It's like you, it's like you draft trade TJ Watt and make a Fitzpatrick basically, and that's your 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 draft package and and like three first round picks for for Trevor Lawrence basically. But yeah, um, the next thing I guess it's also free agency related. Um, the New England Patriots who are in a bit of a sticky situation when, and with the quarterback room as they kind of said Cam Newton is not coming back and their quarterbacks currently are Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham um per Jeff Howe they have had conversations regarding every potential trade target at the league in quarterbacks um so that's really obviously you think of you know Deshaun Watson and I'm sure they had conversations for Matt Stafford and Carson Wentz and this that and whatever else but it's just you know it's interesting and i i don't really know who i would think they could get but i'm telling you right now i don't think they're going into the season with stidham i just really don't believe that i can't bring myself to believe that yeah i don't think it's Stidham. um i was thinking about maybe andy dalton to the patriot but that wasn't and it doesn't seem like if you're gonna if you're gonna go out and sign someone like you might as well like if you're gonna sign someone of uh of that caliber, why don't you just go out and like draft someone or whatever? I feel like it's more likely that they're gonna try and go after like Ryan Fitzpatrick and go and uh and get a quarterback. You just I like the fit more, but I'm not sure for I want I don't know what's gonna happen with Ryan Fitzpatrick this off season. He's a, definitely a player. I've, I'm like I'm the uh, <laughs> I definitely like think he could stay in Miami, but I'm not. I'm interested to see what happens with Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. Um, maybe three, three, so part three sometime. Ryan Fitzpatrick, there we go. Um, so we got two more pieces of news here. One of them is really strange. Um, we saw last season, the in the first round, the Tennessee Titans selected um, offensive lineman Isaiah Wilson. Um, since then, he played like two snaps um, and had a crazy amount of off-the-field issues from, I believe he got arrested and like wasn't communicating with the team. And then earlier in the offseason, the, the Titans were asked about him, and they said, like, as of right now, Isaiah Wilson is not in our future plans. Like, he has to prove to us that he wants to play football again. Well, and he he tweeted out and then soon deleted it. Um, but obviously, those internet sleuths um, have, have dug it up and screenshotted it or whatever. He said, quote, I'm done with football as a Titan. No further comments. Um <laughs> So a first-round offensive lineman, one year later, um, is now not playing football with his team. Uh, it's obviously not a scenario where the Titans can trade him and get anything out of it. So yeah. it's like you're going to have to cut Isaiah Wilson. And honestly, there's a potential no other team even wants him because of all these off-the-field issues and scenarios. But um, yeah. just, a, just a, a sad situation there for, for the Titans who – 
you know, came off of a good season, drafted a player that looked good, and then just things went so terribly wrong. It's just, it, it is sad for the Titans. Yeah, definitely. I Like, I, I if you're drafting the first round, then you're going to get, like, at, at the very least, you're going to get a practice squad spot. But it's not, mm-hmm. let's be real. Yeah, all the off-field issues, he wasn't barely played. And when he did, he, he was not, like, good. <laughs> you, you know, um, so. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, a guy like that, you kind of just throw in your career away. Like you're not going to be a starter unless you really like, you really have to turn stuff around. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you do that, it's like Johnny, Man. do you really want, do you even want to, um, you're, you're putting yourself in a bad spot. Already. Johnny Man's yeah. a fan control football league has kind of been very fun. To watch. I like, I, I haven't been watching fan control football, but I did see a clip today and there was some guy that was getting really annoyed because Obviously, it's fan controlled, so they never run the ball, um, like ever. And they're the one of the quarterbacks got the snap and went back to pass it and brought his arm back and just like lost the ball on the way forward. So, like, he brought the arm back and then like just dropped it before he could throw it forward. And I think it, it either resulted in a safety or touchdown. I, I know like the first guy dove on it, but wasn't able to get it. And I don't, I don't know, I didn't see what it resulted in, but it was just like. So weird. That's the only play I've even seen from that. So interesting. That was really it was a really strange play. But um the last piece of news here isn't really like news news, but it's just it's interesting. Um according to Albert Breer, um a team at the senior bowl asked Devontae Smith um who he thought was a better quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa or Mac Jones. Um Tua obviously being the Alabama quarterback last year. Mac Jones being Alabama quarterback this year. Devontae Smith had the opportunity to play both of them. And according to Albert Breer, um, Devontae Smith answered Mac Jones, quote, bold and definitively. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't a, you know, I'm not giving a crazy amount of weight to this because there were videos coming out of, De- of Devontae Smith earlier saying that he would love to play with Tua in the NFL. Um, and there were no actual videos of, um, Devontae Smith saying this, or like, we're just kind of taking Albert Breer's word for it. But I mean, obviously, when you're the Heisman winner with one quarterback, um, you're going to probably pick him. Um, so it's it's weird. And with Mac Jones, yeah, I don't even, like. I think he's a fringe first round quarterback. Like, I think he'll go late first round. But it's it's smokescreen season right now, as you all know, and teams are you know trying to let fake information leak or whatever about their draft, and so that. Whatever it is, um, people get but there's around the draft. These NFL yeah. are yeah, they're always like they're always dropping false information. I know the Bengals did the same. The Bengals quote like, they allegedly that they said that they liked um, Devin Bush so much, and you know they're gonna draft Trevin Bush. They might trade up to draft Trevin Bush, and obviously the Steelers drafted up, traded up to draft Devin Bush, and then afterwards they that's what they said. they were like yeah, we just said that to try and get someone to trade up. Obviously that's all allegedly, but um, yeah. It's, yeah, that's the, that's the premise behind it is that you can get other teams to waste draft capital if you trick them into thinking that you're uh, <laughs> you're really into a player whenever you're just yeah. Kind of- yeah. But there was with that there was a report and like an NFL scout said that like the floor of like the lowest he could see Mac Jones going in the draft was eighth overall. And like, there's no way. That's just that's not going to happen. I, I'm not. I'm not really that big of a fan of Mac Jones, but me neither. Because like Mac Jones is one of those players that's like. He's a QB, and he's gonna—he's getting offers. You know, he's gonna be a potential first-round quarterback because he's a winner. 
that's going to be, I don't think he has like the talent of any of the other first round quarterbacks, but I think he's a winner and he's got like a bigger arm and, but he's just a winning player and he won Alabama. He won through high school, obviously. And, you know, got the national championship down and just, he's a winner and he led the team into, to a championship win. I think that's what it comes down to for Mac Jones. Um, obviously there's more too. He's still a good player, but I, do not think by any means he's a player with a floor of the eighth overall pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I can. I think that's a smokescreen season type of type of thing there. But um, with that, we're going to get into our AFC North season prediction, being the Steelers, Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. So I'm going to start us off this week with the um, leader, the leading team in the division, the Pittsburgh Steelers, our hometown team. Um, so the Steelers went 12 and 4. They made the playoffs as the three seed and lost in the AFC wildcard game to the Cleveland Browns, the interdivisional rivals. Um, the splits here, they were 25th in total offense, 15th in passing, and dead last in the league in rushing yards. Um, obviously, a new running back, as we know, James Conner will probably not return to the team. A new running back is kind of priority A1 on this list moving into the offseason. Or I guess. Maybe maybe one be apart from retaining free agents. Um, but whether that be Najee Harris through the draft, whether that be a guy like a Marlon Mack or a Leonard Fournette through free agency um, or whatever, that's definitely a big concern. Um, as well as the passing, if you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, which a lot of you did, I'm sure. Um, um, as all of us Steelers fans know and those who've watched it, they are kind of the kings of the short passing game at this point. Um, ben Roethlisberger who throughout his entire career was, you know, heralded and known as somebody that he can stay in the pocket. And, you know, when the pocket collapses around him, he's this big presence that sit there and, uh, you know, sit there and just let guys hang on him before throwing the ball. He got the ball out this season faster than any quarterback in the league. Um, and it was all short routes, like coming back from his, you know, arm injury or his elbow injury. They just had him throw nothing but short routes. And as we talk about all the time, just to each other, um, that Joe is Joe's going to get single-handedly get the hashtag let Juju cook trending. Um, you know, that's not the specialty of these receivers. Deontay Johnson is a good receiver in terms of um, yards after catch and, you know, running, being shifty and running the little, you know, slot shift routes there. But like Juju Smith Schuster and James Washington and Chase Claypool, the route trees are definitely, um, definitely more open and they need to be more open and to have more intermediate routes. And I just don't think you're going to, you're going to be a team that is a contender to win the Super Bowl with such a short passing game and not really much of a threat because you can have a short passing game um, for a while when you have a good running game to back it up, but it just doesn't work when you have a short passing game and a terrible running game, which is dead last in the league. So offensively, and they had a lot of drops, obviously, as we know. Deontay Johnson dropped a lot of balls. Eric Ebron dropped a lot of balls. Um, but, yeah, running back it needs to be a big priority for them moving forward, definitely. Um, and just changing up the offense and getting you know some deeper routes. And they're still in a scenario where they don't actually know if Ben's coming back. We assume Ben's coming back, but like if he doesn't get the contract restructured or whatever, it may be better for him to not come back. You know, You know what I mean? Ike Taylor, former Steelers corner, came out recently um and said that he thinks ben should retire and he thinks ben's going to hold the rebuild back or hold the Steelers back in a couple of years in terms of rebuilding if he stays so i don't you know i'm not going to give an opinion on that but they're in a really weird scenario there um 
Defensively, though, they they were great. As we all know, they were third in total defense and as yards allowed. Uh, they were third in passing defense and the 11th ranked rushing defense, um, obviously. I'm sure that rushing defense would be a lot higher had it not been for the uh, season-ending injury to Devin Bush and then the long-time injury to like guys of like Vince Williams and Roberts Blaine to where we're playing games with Avery Williamson and like like Marcus Allen, who started the season as a safety, uh, starting at middle linebacker. Um, but yeah, a great defense, great defense. Um, for like the fifth straight year, they lead the league in sacks. Um, and they were tied for number three in the league in takeaways. Um, so yeah, very opportunistic defense, as I as I've said a, a couple of times in the in the last rendition of our season analysis. Um, the best defenses are opportunistic. They they have takeaways and they're able to capitalize off of them and put their offense in good scenarios. And that's where the Steelers the Steelers are. I believe they're the best defense in football. Um, you know, it's a it's a debated belief. There's a lot of teams you could you can put there. But I'm a guy I value pressure, and they get to the quarterback more so than anybody. They had the guy that I believe, and most people believe, should have been the defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt. Um, but that's a story for an episode that we already had. Uh, they they had one, two, three, four, five Pro Bowlers: uh, David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, Mega Fitzpatrick. Two All Pro first teamers in T.J. Watt, Mega Fitzpatrick, and one All Pro second teamer in Cam Hayward. So, um, a, a good season for them um, overall. Um, we'll give the grade, I guess, after the MVPs and stuff. I'm sure, um, but it was a good season for them overall. They they did. I predicted them to go ten and six. They went twelve and four. Two games better than I predicted, but they disappointed me towards the end of the season and in the playoffs when teams started to exploit their short passing game and their lack of a running game. Um, things were were starting to go downhill. You definitely saw. So that's. Those are the main things I need. And just being able to retain free agents are just the, the biggest pieces there. Um, so with that, we get in, I'll get into my MVP pick, um, which is the same player that I mentioned earlier, TJ Watt, is my pick for MVP of this team. Um, 53 tackles for him, 15 sacks, which is number one in the league, uh, 23 tackles for loss, which is also number one in the league. Um, two forced fumbles, one interception, and seven passes defended. And as the stat that I love to give with TJ Watt is that he has all these crazy edge rusher stats, but he's leading the league in like every edge rusher stat while dropping back versus the pass, dropping back into coverage 39% of the time. Just a crazy, unbelievable stat. Um, for me, I think it's you know crazy. I like to say it all the time, but I think TJ Watt was the defensive player of the year this season. Um, if I, I you know I would have voted for TJ Watt one hundred percent. Crazy, crazy stat line. I think he's the best player on this team this year, and I think he was the MVP. So there isn't much I can give you with that one, but who you got for MVP? I gave it to the man, the myth, the legend, TJ Watt as well. Mm. Yeah, man was dominant this year. Defensive player of the year. Candidates and the Bill Colton and Joe show year. Uh, we never had an episode going over who we would have picked. We, I guess we did kind of mention it briefly in our Bowl prediction episode, I think. There were a bunch of episodes that we talked about that, to be honest. Yeah, we had like our midseason awards and stuff. Either way, we, we, we've mentioned TJ Watt as a of the year. Yeah, as I mentioned, dominant, um, even with losing his quote, like distraction guy. Bud Dupree or whatever you want to call him, his his man uh, there, you know, it was it was a perfect year for him, and 
sadly enough, he did not get the wrecking he deserves. He's a leader. He's really yeah. a leader too. If you think about it, you watch him on the field. He's a smart guy, and TJ Watt's a heck of a known. Yeah, true, true. Um, so offensive player of the year is one that I'm interested to see because it's one. My pick is somebody that doesn't necessarily have the the best stats on offense, but I believe had the biggest impact, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster for me. Um, he had 97 receptions, which led the team. He had 831 yards, which did not lead the team, and nine receiving touchdowns, which was tied for the lead. Um, not not the lead in total touchdowns, but nine receiving touchdowns is you know top ten in the league, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, good 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 season there for Juju Smith-Schuster, but as we said before, it's just he's not being utilized correctly. You know what I mean? Like out of the slot, he needs to have these deeper routes, be able to use his speed. Because you saw in the playoffs, in the one playoff game they had versus Cleveland, where they got down early and they had to, um, they had to start. They were forced to open up Juju Smith-Schuster's route tree. Um, it went well. He put up 157 receiving yards, which was you know the best of the season for him. Um, a, a great game there. But still, um, I'm somebody I value receptions definitely. Um, 90 or 97 of those almost hit that 100 mark. Um, and he was just doing the nitty gritty work down when they needed Juju's when they needed a third down conversion, whatever it may be. They had Juju Smith Schuster. He got the gritty yards. He fought for extra yards. He did what needed to be done. Great blocking receiver this season, and just overall did all the things you want to see from your from your number one receiver. Um, and didn't complain about it either. So I, I respect Juju Smith-Schuster more than a lot of people do. He's somebody that went from one of the most loved players in the league to one of the most hated. Um, but I, while he doesn't have the best stats of anyone on offense, I did give him my offensive play of the year. Um, so I wanted to give this to Deontay Johnson, but those drops, like the drops, the whole year I was kind of clowning his drops. I'm not about to give him the play of the year. Um, I did want to give it to, to uh, Juju, just as a big Juju fan. I can bring it. I just, as you mentioned, the stats weren't great, but I absolutely percent agree with all the reasoning. I gave it to someone I, I love, Ben Roethlisberger. Hopefully, he comes back. I know it's it's not the most perfect, but in fact, I wrote down Ben. I guess um, <laughs> honestly, the offense was lackluster most of this year. Um, but when Ben played well, we were putting up large amounts of, um, and that's I don't know. I wasn't. I'm not too confident. Per usual, my offensive play of the year so far has not been one I'm very confident, but. You know, he, he almost passed for 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, a 10 interception. And he did what he did. Like, he did something that wasn't broke. He didn't try and fix it for for too long until it was broken. And it was too late to try and fix it. And that's that's the thing. But I don't know who else you want to give it to. I like Juju a lot. Unless you want to give it to, like, I mean, like an offensive lineman or something. But I'm not about yeah. to do that. Definitely not a running back. Um, And you could give it to wide receiver. I, I'm, not, I'm not hating on your pick. I like your pick. Um, But I, I give it to Ben just because almost – out of bias what am i dropping like hearing something. uh either way that's who i pick um, but am i confident in it no it is my pick huh. yeah i like it i like it um so i gave my mvp and he's getting my defensive player of the year as i gave him the league-wide defensive player of the year tj watt um i'm not going to explain that one too much as i already dove into the stats and such with my mvp pick but he was the best defensive player on this team um and yeah, that's what I got there. Defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. My kind of self-explanatory for me. Um, yeah, I also picked TJ Watt. I don't really like to give uh, the same player two awards, but you know, when you're as crazy dominant as TJ Watt and you led the league in sacks, I make the Yes, yes. And the rookie of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have some intel that we have different rookies of the year. Um, 
Mine is Chase Claypool. Um, as as um, you guys would expect from me, as I I do talk pretty high on Chase Claypool. He went sixty two receptions for eight hundred seventy three receiving yards and eleven total touchdowns on the season, um, which led the Steelers' offense. Um, just a really good season from him overall. Um, it was uh, it was a situation where going into it, um, at least me, I don't know about you, when they drafted him. Um, I, and you can see it in our older Coleman Joshua episodes. They drafted Chase Claypool, and immediately I was like, ah, we could have had J.K. Dobbins, but we draft, we, we really need a running back and could have had J.K. Dobbins, but we went out and drafted another wide receiver. And I was a little bit you know, annoyed at the pick, but also I had to tip my cap and say, since I've been watching football, the Steelers have not done me wrong with, with drafting wide receivers. They just have not. Um, so I had to respect the pick, and it was good. It was good. It went well. Um, obviously, he's a humongous body, an amazing, tremendous athlete, um, if nothing else. Um, got some crazy hands, big frame, speed, speedy guy, and he's really the Steelers' jump ball type of guy, the guy that can go up and win you 50-50 balls this season. I believe Juju Smith-Schuster can do that as well. But this season, it, when they're taking a shot down the field, they're taking a shot to Chase Claypool. You saw him have that crazy game versus the Philadelphia Eagles to break out where he had over 100 yards and four total touchdowns on the day. One of them and one another touchdown being called back. So, you know, it could have been five potentially. Um, just a great, a great season for Chase Claypool. Um, I really like what he provided to this team. Um, I got one of the better rookie receivers. I, mean, probably, I would probably put him at top three rookie receivers this season. Um, and, yeah, just a really, really good season from Claypool. I like what I've seen from him, and he will be a big piece of the Steelers' offense moving forward, whether or not Juju Smith-Schuster leaves in free agency. Yeah, for sure. I, I really hope he gets some uh, opportunities next year. But, yeah, as you mentioned, I don't have the same guy, and as I really want to give it to Claypool because I'm also a big Claypool guy. Um, yeah, as you also said, out of the draft, there's other guys there that I really would have liked to have on the team. But, you know, Steelers do not lay down. He's going to be a star next year. I'm very confident in saying that. I think – Claypool could very well be receiver next year. Over, I really think, I really think the way the Steelers like receiving core is going is there's gonna like there's gonna be like kind of an argument who's the best wide receiver on the Steelers if he, especially if Juice stays. You got Juju, you got Claypool, you got Deontay Johnson, and even James Washington who is uh, who's a really good player. But yeah, he had, he had stats. But I gave it to the PFF great star offensive lineman Kevin Dotson, who's a late late round steal. Um, he didn't play as much as I really wish he was a great offensive lineman. Um, and when he played, the run game just magically did better. And it was <laughs> injured and come in. And it just turns out the running game would pick up. He's a great run blocker in college. That skill set in the NFL. Um, I feel like he's going to start next year. I think this is a great draft class for theirs. But um, I see an absolute great argument for Claypool. I think that's the more logical argument. As he got to play more and um, had a bigger impact. But, you know, you got to give love to the offensive lineman every once in a while. So I did. I did. Yes. Yes. So we'll finish that off by giving our team grades for the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. For me, um, I'm, I gave them a B on the year. Um, I think they overachieved my expectations in terms of the regular season. But when we got to the postseason, I think they underperformed what I thought. And I think once you get to 11 and 0, my expectations start to climb for you. And then it just, you know, slowly and slowly they got worse and worse. So, like, as you know, we'll. We'll think back on the season as a good, you know, a season where we went 12 and four and, you know, we're a three seed and won 11 straight games. But overall, you know, it's it's a B season for me. Um, yeah, I 
I call the season the great collapse, <laughs> as we just went from some gr- from great to to decent to mediocre to bad, and over the yeah. end of the year, and it was really it was really hard to see because I was really excited for this. Um, but you know, you got to face facts. I also have them as a beast because they disappointed me at the end. But overall, it was a good year. Lots of lots of great success. Um, but this is definitely a year I'm gonna look back at and have a bitter taste in my mouth as. As I really thought we had something special going, but yes, things happen and play, you know, play declines, and there was different situations. And Coach Randy Feener, mm, don't even get me started. Hashtag let everyone start get trending. Hashtag let you cook. Maybe next year they'll go past the sticks. Maybe. Like <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, we'll move on to the second team in the division, the Baltimore Ravens, who went eleven and five and. They beat the Tennessee Titans in the wild card round and then lost in the divisional round to the Buffalo Bills, I believe. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills. Um, so they overall, they, their, their offense is re- they were the 19th total offense, but this is maybe the only time I've ever seen this. And it's such a weird phenomenon. They were dead last in the league in passing, but they were number one in the league in rushing. Like, that's so like strange to me. Um, which equaled out to 19. Obviously, we knew they were a rushing team, um, but it's just so weird that they're dead last in passing to number one in rushing. Like, how do you, how are they dead last in passing when there's teams out there like New England that, like, quarter, like, they're all their quarterbacks combined through eight touchdown passes? Like, that's just, I, I, I don't know how they're, you know, it's, it's weird. It's a really weird thing, but I guess it worked out for them. Um, and they had a great defense as well, seventh in total defense, eighth, or eighth versus the rush, and sixth versus the pass. Um, a pretty good season there for them. Um, offensively, as we all know, they need a number one receiver. That's my biggest takeaway from from this season. And you know, as as, as much as Marquise Brown has a relatively high ceiling, um, I don't believe he's a true number one receiver. I don't believe he ever will be. And they make things work with Mark Andrews and all their you know power rushing. But it's just so tough to win in the National Football League at this point when you get down in a football game without a true number one wide receiver they can you know go out there have a thousand yard season every season and just be really good and i think they're definitely missing that another thing they were their pass rush was not as good as uh we we had anticipated coming into the year calais campbell kind of underperformed on the season um you know he's a bit overhyped in my opinion he came in and just you know had like five sacks or so matt judon you know did not live up to what he did the previous season um uh, and just overall they weren't the the pass rush was not what it has been in previous years, um, but they still had a great defense. Obviously, um, in terms of you know passing and and rushing yards, there they just weren't necessarily getting to the quarterback as much as I would have liked. Um, but yeah, there's that. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Pro Bowlers: um, Patrick Ricard, Orlando Brown Jr., Clay's Campbell, Matt Judon, Marlon Humphrey, Morgan Cox, and Justin Tucker. And this is just like a scenario that I talked about with Joe before we started recording on why the Pro Bowl is not a good measure of how good a player is um, because Calais Campbell made the Pro Bowl and he was undeserving of it, in my opinion. Um, they had one All-Pro first-teamer being the long snapper Morgan Cox and one All-Pro second-teamer being the kicker Justin Tucker. Um, but yeah, a, a good season for them overall. They struggled in the early slash midseason, but when the, once they got to the end, Lamar Jackson started cooking, having some really good games, and they started to pick it up and started to win more games. And just overall, they had a really a really solid end of the season, and they honestly almost made a push for the division. Um, mm-hmm. But for the for the MVP, 
I'm going to give this one. He had, you know, people love to make fun of him all season and say this and say that, talk sweet on his name. Lamar Jackson is my Baltimore Ravens MVP still. Um, 2,757 passing yards and 26 touchdowns to nine interceptions. But also, he had over 1,000 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. So, like, say what you want. You know, maybe he doesn't have a lot of passing yards. Maybe his passing touchdowns look about average. But, like, you can't deny a 1,000 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. Like, that's just – those are very good stats there from the quarterback. Um, and the, the offense, just everything moves through Lamar Jackson, right? Whether that be passing, which obviously is going to move through the quarterback, or the running game, they have a good offensive line. And even if it's not Lamar Jackson running – um, it, a lot of times it's like a, a read option or it at least looks like a read option or, the, you know what I mean? Or the play action, the play action pass is able to work so well for Baltimore because Lamar Jackson is such a crazy threat of running the football. He could pull it at any moment, which draws defenders over to Lamar Jackson. You have to have guys designated to make sure Lamar doesn't get out of the pocket. And just that, just the whole offense rolls through Lamar Jackson and the capabilities that are so unique that he has that really no other quarterback has since Michael Vick. Um, so with Lamar, yeah, just everything runs through Lamar Jackson on that whole team, to be honest. And just, I think with that, he wins my MVP award for, for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. As he does with mine as well. Um, as you mentioned all the stats, I didn't write down the stats for him for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but I had specifically now he had an underrated year. No one was really talking at the end of the year. People are starting to talk about him, but I have not, I have not shot away from my Lamar, Lamar Jackson slander since we began, we began the podcast. A while, a good while ago. Um, yes. But, but he, I got to admit, he definitely ran the offense well towards the end of the year. He definitely made a push. It was, there was, I think there was like six and five. There at the midpoint, like it was a midpoint in the offseason. They were really underperforming and everyone was wow. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. There, there were season. questions like the Ravens may not even make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, they, they proved us wrong and they picked it up. But it all, it was, he just picking it up and clutch games versus the Browns. And, and clutch throws and stuff. You gotta give it to. Gotta give yeah. it to. Much as I hate to say, it, you gotta give. It. If you have someone other than Lamar as MVP, you better have some darn good reason because. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I will dispute your problem. Yeah, and I, I, I had seen this thing or this post that I actually, as much as I love Kyler Murray, I did agree. With it. it talked about like if you think if you truly believe that Lamar that Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson, you don't watch much football and you go off of what the internet says. You know what I mean? I, I, I believe that. And the, the things on it, when the next post I saw was, don't tell me that Kyler Murray is better than Lamar Jackson until you see what Lamar Jackson could do with any wide receiver in the same stratosphere as DeAndre Hopkins. And then I was like, okay, I, bl- I agree with that. And the comments were so, I had to actually comment on, on it because somebody in the comments said, well, Kyler Murray won Rookie of the Year without a wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins. And then my comment just read, and Lamar Jackson won MVP. And like, you can't use that as an argument. Like, yeah, they did. They both didn't. When they both didn't have a good uh, wide receivers, Kyler Murray won Rookie of the Year, but Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in football. So, like, <laughs> I, I truly, well, I, you know, I don't know where I rank Lamar Jackson. It might not be taught. It might. I, if I had to guess right now, I'd probably put him sixth. Wait, yeah. Mm, no, maybe seven. I don't know. It's, I'd have to think about it because you have Mahomes and Rodgers, but then there's Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, and then I was and um you and then you could throw in there, but then also there's Russell Wilson that you could that that you'd have to make room for there. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Um, 
Not 100% sure, but yeah, um, I, I do think he's better than Kyler Murray. As much as I love Kyler Murray and he has a, a really high ceiling, Lamar Jackson is just so good, so good. Say what you want about him. He's a very good quarterback. Um, and he also wins my Offensive Player of the Year. I'm somebody that has no problem with giving the same award to two people. Um, offensive Player of the Year and MVP, Lamar Jackson. Um, offensive Player of the Year obviously had you know almost 4,000 total yards and 26 uh, passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns. Um, and, you know, you can give it to, like, a Mark Andrews or a J.K. Dobbins or whatever it may, Gus Edwards, whatever it may be. Um, but I think, you know, you look at the best offensive player on that team, you had the best season offensively. I gave it to uh, Lamar Jackson. So Yeah, as much as I have <laughs> already mentioned, I don't really like to give two players, like, a player two awards. I, you, you look at the stats and you look at it, and I really, it's just kind of an argument against him as MVP and, MB, and uh, offensive player that you would just kind of be in vain and wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Why else you gave it to him uh, off of there. Yeah, yeah, good man. Uh, defensive player of the year, I gave to the corner, Marlon Humphrey, who had a really underrated season, honestly. Like, people were sleeping on him. Um, as he put up 82 tackles as a corner, which is pretty good, um, two and a half sacks, led the league in forced fumbles this season as a corner with eight. Um, also had one interception and 11 passes defended. So a really good season for Marlon Humphrey that people just aren't really talking about because I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. They love to talk about certain people like Ajayar Alexander, Jalen Ramsey, Trey White. You have great seasons, but um, Marlon Humphrey is up there, is up there for sure. Um, so, yeah, he had a crazy season this year stat-wise. You know, there isn't really anyone else I could have given it to, but for me, like, I, I don't, you know, for me, I think Marlon Humphrey was kind of far and away. There were, there were other guys that theoretically you could have given it to, but I'm a Marlon Humphrey guy. I thought for me, it was far and away. Yeah. There's someone theoretically I gave it to, <laughs> I give it to the rookie Patrick Queen. And I was looking at Marlon Humphrey and that, those are some crazy good stats. And I, I would not have a hard time putting in him. I would not have anything. Uh, I would not feel bad for him in the least, but he was so all around. Queen was just really all around. He led the team in tackles. Was like fourth or fifth in in sacks as a as a um corner as a uh, what am I saying as a linebacker the pass rush too. And he also had an interception and a uh, forced fumble just to toss on top. Um, so it was it was all around year, and I like it. I don't know. Um, I I like some variety, I guess. As yeah. far like I felt, I was pretty sure you were gonna give it to me, so I wanted to. Say, mm-hmm. but, um, as I mentioned, I, I'm a little bit, I like the variety. I like the tackle. The tackles are, you have a huge impact on the game. I think he, how many, uh, I didn't write it down. Of course. It was like 112 tackles on the year, which is, and definitely as a rookie. Yes. Yes. Um, and lastly, I guess lastly for awards, rookie of the year. Um, and this is one that I had a really tough time choosing and I'll let you guys in on a little secret between JK Dobbins and, and Patrick Queen. I couldn't pick. And I actually, they both deserve it. I me- I messaged Joe re- like, really like, like right after last week's episode of um, season analysis. I messaged him and I was like, "Hey, who are you going to give the Ravens Rookie of the Year to?" And he said, "Patrick Queen." So I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to give it to J.K. Dobbins." <laughs> Sorry, I kind of announced your pick, but um, 
Maybe he changed it from then, but I, I, I decided to go J.K. Dobbins. They both deserve it. Um, it's so tough for me to choose, but I, I, I went Dobbins, and, you know, he was good. Um, 805 yards and nine touchdowns on six yards per carry, which is number three in the entire league, by the way, which is, you know, really crazy there for a rookie. Um, but I gave to him, he had these crazy stats, 805 yards and nine touchdowns, which is, you know, like m- stats of one of the better running backs in football. But for one, he's in an offense where the primary – runner is the quarterback Lamar and then there's throughout the season three different running backs that were getting carries him he got some obviously Gus the boss Edwards got some and um Mark Ingram before he was released guy was getting carries so it's like he didn't even come in as the lead back but was still putting up these you know crazy stats left and right um and yeah so I I I did give him my rookie of the year so yeah um it's kind of dumb that I mentioned that I don't like to give the same player two awards as I give out of four awards. I give two players two awards, and um, I, you know, if you get defensive player of the year for me, then I I, I got to give you the respect and give you that rookie of the year. Um, Patrick Cream was someone that I really wasn't too impressed with, like out of the draft, just for some reason. But he played well, and uh, I got to see him two times a year. He was productive, and I liked I liked the um the pick there for yeah. you. Yeah, Queen I, I, was I, one of the very few players that I got correct. The I, eleven players that I got correct in my mock draft. Yeah, um, I had that correct. I mean, I had that a full prediction correct that he would be the running back one by the end of the year, and I was correct by that. Did. They even cut the player. You, I remember you said you were like, uh, he's a rookie and play stick with a veteran that just came off in a good year. He got cut. Now nah, we got to keep receipts on the. Yeah, that, that was a bad. You, you, that was good by you. That was a very good take. that one and uh. J.K. Dobbins, <laughs> um, but no, Patrick Queen. He just had a good year and productive, and I feel like overall, like he had a really good year, not just among rookies. So that's why I kind of gave him like there, there were running backs a better year. J.K. Dobbins. I do agree with you that situation where definitely not gonna be as much as the rest. Yeah, you know, that that's yeah. what I was thinking. That, that was, there was that's where my head space. Yes, yes. Um, so now we do the season grade, and for me, the Ravens had a B minus. Is what I'm saying because. They had a good season where they still made the AFC Divisional round and, you know, popped off towards the end of the season, won a playoff game, and, you know, Lamar got his first playoff victory and had a good season overall. But for me, I was expecting them – I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I was predicting them to be a real Super Bowl contender. And coming into the playoffs, really, it was just a consensus that the Ravens were not going to make the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> – they, they weren't real Super Bowl contenders this season, as I expected. Um, but they did still have a good season. Lamar Jackson had an underrated season, and I gave them a B- minus on the season compared to my expectations. I had them just a little bit worse than you at a C plus, um, Because, yeah, we, we heard the whole entire offseason, mostly as Steeler fans, because we, everyone was always clowning on the Steelers and saying how bad the record was. But I heard like people say they're going to go like 16-0 and 0 and win the Super Bowl. They're, they're that good. And they're so talented, so much. There's just stack roster, and they didn't have a stack roster. But they, they didn't really put it all together as much as we thought it would, record wise. Um, yeah. If we're going off expectations, yeah, it was a, it was pretty much down to the, only the Chiefs and the, and the Ravens that anyone thought was going to make it. And, and by the end of the year, it was the but it was on. It was like more of the Bills and the Chiefs after you know going into the playoffs were the were the two from the AFC that were real contenders, and everyone except you knew it. Was gonna, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because yeah. I you know we, we go, I always um, try and go off expectation and my expectations for the Ravens were very high and um, they did not meet expectations plus yeah yeah um, 
So we move to the third team in the division, the Cleveland Browns, who went 11-5, and um, made the playoffs, and lost in the AFC Divisional round. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wildcard round and then lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Divisional. Um, overall in the season, they were 16th in total offense, being 24th versus in the, um, with the pass and third in the running game, um, 17th in total defense, 22nd versus the pass, and 9th versus the run. Um, so their defensive line did a very good job in run defense with, you know, Ogan Joby and Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett, and um, Sheldon Richardson. Um, just a good game. And, so, you know, some of the Mac Wilson and the linebackers just, you know, I, they did very well versus the rest of the season. But the pass struggled, especially because of, you know, terrible safety play, honestly. Like, a lot of injuries to the safeties. And Sandejo, I got a lot of playing time, who I believe is one of the worst players in the NFL, um, personally. Um, and there were some injuries to Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams didn't play much this season. So, you know, their, their, their pass defense wasn't necessarily up to what I had expected. Um, but running wise, they, this off season went swimmingly for the Cleveland Browns. Um, let me say that they went out and they spent a lot of money boosting their offensive line and draft capital boosting their offensive line. And I believe they have the best offensive line in football. Personally, I, th- I believe that their offensive line consists consists of five guys that I believe are all pro, cal- all pro talent guys and Pro Bowl caliber players. You know, Betonio, the rookie Jedrick Wills, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin. You know, I believe those are all Pro Bowl caliber players, and you know, all players that at some point, um, either now or in the future, have all pro type potential as offensive linemen. So I think their offensive line was huge. And I think Nick Chubb had an amazing season and Kareem Hunt when Nick Chubb was injured also did really well. But the thing for me is it just, it seems like Baker Mayfield performs better without Odell for whatever reason. Um, same like last season, Baker struggled with, uh, they had Odell all for the majority of the season and Baker just had a rough year and Baker was looking like Baker was going to have another rough year. And then Odell goes down with a torn ACL and, you know, prayers up to Odell, but Baker comes out and starts performing better and actually has a pretty good, a pretty good year this season and balls out, leads him to the playoffs and gets a win in the playoffs. And it just, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. You know, him and Jarvis Landry have an okay connection. He has a good connection with Shard Higgins, you know, but it's just, that's just something else. Like, it's really strange to me why Baker Mayfield tends to play better without Odell. Um, the O-line was crazy. The running game was crazy. Miles Garrett um, had a you know crazy season. He uh, missed some time due to COVID, which before that, he was probably the defensive player of the year favorite. Um, Denzel Ward had a really underrated season, in my opinion. So crazy stuff there. Um, All-pro first teamer, two of them. Uh, I don't know why I start. I'll start off with Pro Bowl. I don't know why I start off with All-Pro. Three Pro Bowlers, uh, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett, two All-Pro first teamers, Miles Garrett and Jack Conklin, and two All-Pro second teamers, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. Um, and for me, their MVP was um, the defensive man, Miles Garrett, um, 48 tackles, 12 sacks, 12 tackles for loss, and four forced fumbles for the big man out of Texas A&M. Crazy season for him, and yeah, I just think he was... He, he allowed that pass rush to get there. And they had a pretty good pass rush overall, I, I, I got to say. 12 sacks on the season for Miles Garrett. Just had a crazy season, kind of doing it all. Helped in the running game as well. Like I said, I think he was the defensive player of the year before going down with COVID for a while. So he is my pick for Cleveland Browns MVP.
Um, yeah, that's also who I had. Oh, never mind. That is not who I had. Um, for the Browns, my MVP was actually running back Nick Chubb. This is an interesting one. Um, but I was one a little bit outside of the box because Nick Chubb is, is always, I don't know. Nick Chubb, I feel like, gets just a little bit too much love sometimes. And I'm not, he's, he's definitely a really good running back. Sometimes I think he just gets a little bit too much. And maybe that's just, um, but he, he rushed for a thousand yards. And that's within, as well as 12 touchdowns, when splitting time with another really good running back in Kareem Hunt, as well as um, in a, in a relatively pass-heavy offense with big, like, three volume receivers with Austin Hooper, Odo Beckham Jr. for part of the season, and Jarvis Landry. Like, there's not a lot of snaps to go around. And even with injury, he really produced. He was really fit this year. Um, and he's definitely in a... And it's it's just a very ball. It's a good volume offense. Like I feel like they they definitely have a lot of snaps on on the Browns. It seems like that because they really get the ball spread around well. And that's some good coaching. I was skeptical of the fans coming into the year. Just I'm always skeptical of Browns coaches whenever they're signed, um, just because history usually repeats itself. But I really think they got a good coach in this deciding. Um, so you could give envy, but <laughs> they <laughs> really well, and the pass blocking really held up well. Um, so it, it's it's out there. Right, I give it to Nick Chubb. Um, yeah, I like it. Um, I like it. Um, he is my offensive player of the year. Um, like you said, over a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns. Um, uh, with injury, five point six yards per carry, which is good for fourth in the league. Um, and yeah, like like you said, um, they are in a um a rush heavy offense. You know, like they're third in the league in rushing yards and twenty fourth in passing yards. Um, they were in a a rush heavy offense with a crazy good offensive line. He was splitting snaps with Kareem Hunt. Um, and Obviously, that's not something you want to do when you're running back with injuries still coming in, producing over a thousand yards. Just had a really, really good season there. I think Nick Chubb is a tremendous running back, um, and he just really helps that Cleveland Brown team. So um, he is my pick for Offensive Player of the Year for Cleveland. So you don't think he gets just a little bit too much love sometimes? I don't. I don't think he does. I it was weird because you said I think Nick Chubb gets a little bit too much love love sometimes as you proceeded to give him your MVP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. But um, what I was trying, I guess I didn't really express myself too well. What I was trying to say is like I, you know, although I do think it gets too much love sometimes, I gotta show him some. He did have a yes. good year, so um, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So my offensive player of the year was since I since I already gave them the Peter Nick Chubb, I gave it to the big man himself, Baker Mayfield. Who I kind of wanted to give. I kind of wanted to give Baker Mayfield even the MVP just because. But I'm always giving a quarterback. It's like so I. I like to switch it up every um he passed for three point six K yards as well as twenty six touchdowns and interception. Um, you know, so so he, he was okay. And he, like as you mentioned, it really wasn't looked too good before Otto Beckham went down and then Otto Beckham went down and then kinda of picked up. And it's very um to say the least, but you know, it, it, that's the big thing. When the, when he was playing bad, the offense was not doing. It. And then the moment he started to pick up his play, everything kind of kind of fell into place, you know. And that's kind of what I like about it. And that's kind of why I want to give him an offensive play of the year because you know, uh, that's that's where that's where my headspace is. I guess as I already said before, that one I I that's because I already gave so many awards to players at once. I went back to my original uh, theory. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. I like it. I like it. Baker did have a good season. Um, my defensive player of the year. It doesn't need much explaining. He won my MVP, Miles Garrett. Um, I, there, there isn't much that to say that I didn't already say when I, when I said he was my MVP. But just crazy season for him. Twelve sacks, missing some time with COVID. Um, four forced fumbles. Crazy year for him, and he's my defensive player of the year. Yeah, so he was my defensive player of the year for obvious reason. Um, Twelve sacks, defensive player of the year candidate. Um, yeah, he could have been the team MVP, but yeah. <laughs> I kind of flipped that up a little bit, I guess you could say. But 
yeah, he had a great year. Um, and as you mentioned, he very was very much so. Could have been the year before he ran into some issues with, with illness. Yes. Um, so definitely, Miles Garrett is. We've had you know, see their friends and Miles Garrett have had it has they've had their issues in the past, but you know, yeah, year. And I, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm relatively happy. Yes. Yes. Um. So my rookie of the year for the Cleveland Browns is um, offensive lineman, first round pick, Jedrick Wills Jr. My, I won't say my favorite offensive lineman was Mackay Backton coming in, but I think I thought Jedrick Wills would be the best offensive lineman in the draft. Um, currently, I believe that Tristan Wirfs is the best in the draft, but Jedrick Wills is still very good. Um, had a crazy season, as I mentioned. He's one of the five starters on that Cleveland Browns offensive line, and as I mentioned before, I believe they could all be have all pro they're all pro bowl caliber players right now and all have all pro potential um and i you know that does not exclude jedrick wills i think he has the potential to be an all pro offensive lineman at some point in his career i think he could have been a pro bowler this season and i think he had an overall really really good as cleveland browns helping them to solidify themselves as one of the best rushing football teams in the nfl and a just crazy season from the young guns so yeah i also gave to him um, he did have a good year as an offensive line, but honestly, more than anything, he didn't really have many impactful. But he was a starter, and he played relatively well. So hey, so. they had Donovan Peoples Jones. Oh yeah, let's give it. To Got the game-winning toddy that one game. That he did. He's a Colby Hamilton. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. So the grade that I gave the Cleveland Browns, uh, compared to my expectations, I think I predicted them to go nine and seven actually. But you know, they they're just a better football team than I expected. So for me. I gave the Cleveland Browns grade an A on this one. Not an A+, plus, but an A. A really great season from Cleveland compared to what I'd seen. First playoff win in Cleveland in so, so long. First playoff appearance in Cleveland in so, so long. And just, I, you got to respect what the, what, what's going down in the Cleveland Browns facility. So, they get an A for me. Yeah, I was about to give them an A. But then I realized that they beat the Steelers at the end of the at week 17 and the playoffs. So, I gave them an A-. Out of- mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And the last team, the Cincinnati Bengals, went four and eleven and one, missed the playoffs. Um, they were 29th in total yards, 27th in passing yards, 24th in rushing yards. Defensively, they were 26th, um, 19th versus the pass, and 29th versus the run. But the thing, you know, you look at this, you're like, oh, this team was awful. Obviously, um, they lost Joe Burrow with a season-ending injury. You know, the, after 10 games of the season. Um, you know he was a, he was having a very good season. Um, I I gotta say from what I loved what I saw from Joe Burrow. Um, you know it wasn't as flashy as what you see from Justin Herbert, but he came in with no weapons around him. It just looked like a veteran. You know what I mean? He made those veteran plays. Just exactly what you wanted to see from Joe Burrow is what he provided this season. Um, he you know just a really really good stuff there from from him. I I I loved him and see when he was playing and they were. They actually looked like a you know semi decent football team at sometimes with under Joe Burrow, but then obviously he went down. You had Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen starting at the quarterback position. Joe Mixon missed a crazy amount of games. AJ Green looks like a shell of his former self. Um, I think he's just. I think AJ Green is just flat out not a good player anymore. Um, they are you know struggling in the in the tight end department and in the offensive line department their offensive line looked atrocious all season um which is obviously one of the leading factors of why joe burrow's not playing right now um or not playing at the end of the season um defensively geno atkins didn't play much they traded their they traded carlos dunlap who was almost their franchise sack leader he was like one sack below it um but the man who really broke out on that defense is my MVP of the team, 
the only no players won Pro Bowl honors or All Pro first teamer. He was an All Pro second teamer and wins my MVP of the Cincinnati Bengals. One of the most improved players in the league, Jesse Bates. Um, he finished the season with 109 tackles, one forced fumble with three interceptions, and 15 passes defended. An absolutely nuts season from the safety there in Cincinnati. Um, I think he's one of the more underrated players in football right now and just, you know, had a crazy season. And if you don't watch football, you, you don't really know. You're not going to know about Jesse Bates and how good he is, but he's a very, he's a very, very talented football player. One of my favorite players to watch safety-wise in the league, and he's my MVP of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yeah, he was also my MVP, of course. Uh, I write down the stats for a player finally, and you, you read it all out, but uh, <laughs> no <laughs> Here, the 109 tackles. I always I value tackles a lot. Yeah, I know you value you value the the like the impact plays, the sacks, the interceptions. I like the tackles. They're a little bit more humble. <laughs> humble um, pick. Humble pick. But yeah, he, he was a great player. He he's another PFF king. Um, yes, he is. Throughout the whole entire year, for a rifle player. Um, and definitely so just yeah, the team was not good. And also, um, I must say, you you're talking about <laughs> Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow did have a good year. Joe Burrow did handle himself like a veteran. Which, which is a good thing, but he also plays like a veteran. You know, the weakest arms in the which I'm great. Because I'm like, Joe Burrow is like a queen. And I hope Joe Burrow's, um, I really feel like his lack of ability to throw the ball down the field, field could hurt him in the long term. So I really hope he can improve that. Just a side note. But yeah, Jesse Bates, great defense year for him. And um, my MVP as well. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd say Burrow is like a super weak arm. Like he's not, he doesn't specialize in down the field throws. Like depth of target He's Which below average. Arm strength are just because of the play selection. But I know, like I saw, and I was very much surprised because I didn't think he had like a crazy week. I, I put a little bit more respect on Joey B's name. But <laughs> um, if I can find the video, I'll send it. But talking about Joey, Joe, Joe. My, my offensive player of the year is a rookie, but it's actually not Joe Burrow. It <laughs> is T. Higgins, um, the rookie wide receiver. 67 receptions for 908 yards. And six touchdowns on the season for him. Um, as Joe Mixon missed a lot of time, A.J. Green looked terrible. Um, it came down to really um, uh, T. Higgins versus Tyler Boyd, a guy that you all know I'm very high and think he's very underrated. But this season, I do think T. Higgins performed just a little bit better than Tyler Boyd. Coming out of Clemson, people didn't have many high expectations for Higgins, but he had a very, very good season this year. One, you know, just, it, it, I don't, I could have given it to Joe Burrow, and you'll you'll see later some something interesting. Um, but I did give it to T. Higgins for offensive play of the year. So, um, so yeah, I I fully acknowledge that this is not a great pick. So I picked offensive player of the year as Tyler Boyd as you went for, even though Tyler Boyd was less efficient, he had less he had more targets, less yards, and less touchdowns. So by all means, he had a better year. But this is something that I look at the eye test here, and something about Tyler Boyd's season just seemed like. It seemed really good, and I don't know. This I know this is really dumb because it doesn't make any sense. But he's like, uh, it, and this, this sounds really dumb. But every time I watched the games, every time Tyler Boyd scored, it was like in a big moment. It seemed like, and you know, T Higgins scored, but they just weren't in the big moment time. And I know it's not, it's dumb, but trust me, T Higgins gets his respect later on. But mm-hmm. um, I, I I had to put that there just for just for fun. But I fully acknowledge that by every statistical category, essentially T Higgins was better. So. Huh. I do my research, but I I went against my my better judgment. Interesting, interesting. And you, you're respected, and you know awards don't just come down to stats. Obviously, the eye test is something that that definitely comes into play, and big moments as well. So um, 
Defensive player of the year for me, self-explanatory, it's Jesse Bates, um, all-pro second-teamer. You know, the only defender on this team that had a really good season. There were some other. William Jackson had a pretty good season. But, you know, Jesse Bates for me was far and away the defensive player of the year. And I have no problem, as I said before, giving the same player MVP and defensive player of the year. So, yeah. Let me have to throw away my stats about my, um, not my stats, my my thoughts about giving the same player two words because I gave, it, gave him two words here as well. Um, yeah, we already had our spiel on on how we thought he had a great year and how he's good players. I won't. Yeah. So this is where things get interesting for me because my offensive player of the year was rookie T. Higgins, but my rookie of the year is not T. Higgins. My rookie of the year is Joe Burrow. Um, for me, I think T. Higgins was, you know, like when you, the, they mean different things. Like for me, I don't necessarily think MVP means the best player on the football team. Or not like I kind of like I don't necessarily think it means like who's the best player on your team. I think it means who's the most valuable player. Last season, if you listened, I think I mentioned on here. I w- I think the best player in the Pittsburgh Steelers last season was T.J. Watt, and I would have given my Defensive Player of the Year to T.J. Watt, but my MVP would have went to Megan Fitzpatrick last season. Um, because he came in, he you know revitalized the team overall, and he was so valuable in what he brought to the team and just changing the culture. He would have won my MVP. So this year, my rookie, my my offensive player of the year was rookie T. Higgins, but my rookie of the year is quarterback Joe Burrow. And ten games, Joe Burrow threw for two thousand six hundred and eighty-eight yards, thirteen touchdowns, to five interceptions, as well as having three rushing touchdowns. And I just think you know coming in, he's such a valuable player, such a valuable rookie. Um, and yeah, I just think rookie of the year just is kind of something different. Like who's I think the offensive player of the year is a, an award that for me means like offensive player of the year is like who had the best season offensively on your team. Wow. Rookie of the year just seems like who's the best rookie for me. Like for me, I don't think of it as like who had the best season of any, I think of it as like who's the best rookie on your team. And I gave it to Joe Burrow, just a crazy, you know, he's so valuable to what this team did. Um, they were so much better with him than without him. Um, and I just, you know, it's just, he was so, so important and so valuable to the team. I, I had to give him the rookie of the year. I actually, I thought it was a little bit wacky when I made it, and I searched it up. And actually, I believe the Cincinnati Bengals team awards did the same thing and gave T. Higgins offensive player of the year, but Joe Burrow rookie of the year. So that, interesting, but I, I felt justified after I saw that. But it, it, it's a little bit strange. Hopefully it makes some some sort of sense. It could not have, It could not be weirder than me giving my offensive player of the year to some worse than essentially every single category. But <laughs> as I mentioned, T. T Higgins is getting his love right here in the year. He had about 900 yards, six touchdowns. Um, yeah, almost all accounts is our stats better than the offensive player of the year. But, you know, he was the best rookie. As you mentioned, I, I do like it. I, I definitely respect the pick of Joe Burrow as his as when he played, his impact was humongous. Obviously, he's a starting quarterback, putting up some really nice stats. He might have been, he was like... Uh, he was up there. He might have been like third or fourth um, in passing. Through. Like he was, he was balling out, and he was getting a lot. Yeah. He's getting a lot of opportunities to throw the ball, which was kind of something that, like, subconsciously in my head, like, I know, like, I feel like he wasn't crazy efficient, but he definitely, like, by no accounts was he bad. And the, Joe Joe Burrow, I'm excited to see what he can do next year. I I hope he's good. But something yes. something to feel right about him coming back from an injury like that, and then already at like a little bit of a disadvantage because he doesn't have the strongest. Arm. Um, and a team that doesn't exactly have a ton of pieces around him. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, the Bengals yeah. Hopefully they get Panay Sewell in the draft. That's all I got to say. That would be nice. But um, I do apologize, Joe. You've been looking at a black screen for a while because um, I have to, my, my, I have to use my wired, my wired headphones right now, and my phone got to like 8%, and it was oh. going to die. 
So I had to put it on the wireless charger. So I, I do apologize for that. But, oh, that's uh, all good. but we now get to the season grade for the Bengals, which for me, I gave them a C plus on the year. Um, I gave them maybe a little bit higher than what they deserve just because of what I saw from Joe Burrow. Um, and just how I, we saw glimpses of what they could be with Joe Burrow. Um, and that, that's what it is. But other than that, like as a season, you know, overall, it's about where I expected them to be on the year. Um, but, you know, they, they fell off at the end of the year. But, you know, overall, it's relatively around where I them to be. But because of Joe Burrow, I give him a C plus. So I've been a little bit more critical of, uh, of our AFC North teams than you. I have them as a D. I know I have them as a C minus. Um, Wait, do you have them as a D or a C minus? C minus. Okay. Um. Yeah. Their their expectations coming to season were to um to be like just I forget what my I don't think they had I don't think I gave them a very good record. It was like I probably had them at like four, <laughs> which which is not far off. But I was I was kind of in my head I was expecting them to do a little better just because there was a lot of hype around them, a lot of hype around the first overall pick and a team that had a lot of underrated pieces, but the injuries fell apart and, and everything. So it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So that is our season analysis for the AFC North teams, the Steelers, Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. Um, next week, what, what division are we thinking the West next week? Does that work? Yeah. AFC, AFC West, we got the Super Bowl losers coming up next week in the AFC West. The Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers give you our little season analysis for them coming up next week in the in the next Tuesday's episode. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to have a really hard decision to pick the Chargers rookie. I really want to pick. It's such a hard comment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely have to give that one my, my full, my full thought. I'm going to have to do some deep research. And like Kenneth Murray had such a good year, you know, <laughs> like, re- yeah. like really, do I want to, or do I go with maybe the more likely choice of Joshua Kelly? Yeah. Joshua Kelly really go off. Lots like, of stuff. I'm really torn, really, really torn between the two. But it's a situation that we will have to come to next week. You'll, you'll, you'll hear the big news next week of who we will pick. Uh, okay. It's a little bit late here. Uh, it's currently 1230 at night. Um, but it's all it's all good. It's all good. we got the Colton and Joe Show, episode 85, yes. all wrapped up. And good to go. Hope you guys had a fun time. I've got to get the cool announcer voice going on here. Yeah, as we went over yes. our home division. And um, one we had quite a bit of knowledge on, quite a bit to discuss, so a little bit longer. But don't mind. Um, like I said, check out the voice messages because I think that would be really cool to put in yep. at some. But to, to each their yeah. own. There. Yeah, hit us up with a voice message. That would be interesting. I'd definitely love to hear that. We'll try to answer you on the show if we can figure out how to do that. We'll, we'll <laughs> figure out some way. If worst comes to worst, we can just play it out loud and you'll hear it. <laughs> um, yeah. But we will. Yeah, we'll definitely try to answer that on the show if any of you guys feel like leaving us one. Um, this will be up on Instagram pretty soon, so that's an easy way to reach us if you want to contact us. Um, give us some show ideas, whatever. Tell us what you agree with, disagree with what we're talking about. Tell us we're stupid and don't know anything about sports. Uh, whatever you want. Um, hit us up there. That's an e- that's the easiest way to contact us. You can email us, whatever you want to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, you'll be hearing from us awfully soon. We'll see you again later in the week. Um, you got any, uh, any parting thoughts there, Joe? Um, yes. I do. I, so yeah. today, my track coach was talking about, and he's like, you know, there's a complaint from the principal that we're not, we're too close to each other when we're running 
and it's like okay and then he was like yeah make sure you're six feet apart and i was like yeah i'm i'm not fast enough to stay within six feet of these guys anyway so i'm already good (laughs) (laughs) funny joke i funny joke i i do not i'm not stressed about me and that's something i really i respect that in a person it's a good it's a good quality it's a good quality you gotta be able to laugh at yourself you're just kind of a little bit a little bit on the lame so i gotta agree you gotta be able to you gotta be able to laugh at yourself make some jokes gotta take it i'll Mm -hmm. take it sometimes if it, if it be like that, but it's a good way to end it off with a, with, with a nice, a nice joke and commentary of, of life, of life, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, um, I guess, you know how we ended here. We'll be back with you on later in the week. And, um, from us here at the Golden Joe show, we are peacing. <laughs>